leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Synlogic is using synthetic biology to engineer probiotic bacteria to deliver therapeutic benefit. By targeting the microbiome of the gut, the company believes it can produce systemic effects to treat metabolic and other diseases with its new class of therapies it dubs synthetic biotics. We spoke to Aoife Brennan, interim CEO and chief medical officer of Synlogic, about the company's platform technology how it's seeking to exploit the microbiome, and how its engineered bacteria may offer a safer and more effective way to treat certain conditions. Aoife, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. It's wonderful to be here. We're going to talk about Synlogic, a new class of therapies it's developing called Synthetic Biotics, and its product candidate to treat PKU. Let's start with the microbiome, though. For listeners not familiar with the microbiome, what is it, how well understood is it, and and why has it become such great interest to drug developers? That's a great question, Danny. So the microbiome is a group of bacteria and other organisms that live within us, on us, and around us, and they really have a dynamic relationship with how our bodies function. Um, So we know that there's a really strong three-way connection um, for the gut-based microbiome between our diet, how we function as, as a host, and how the microbiome acts and behaves. And recently, we started to make connections between things that happen within the gut lumen and, and the microbiome and disease states. Um, some really interesting observations around associations between the microbiome and some really important diseases which has started a lot of researchers thinking about ways we can use the microbiome to treat some really awful diseases that currently have no or limited treatment options. So it's a very exciting area of research. There are many people looking at the microbiome as a therapeutic target, a a way of treating disease by either restoring a, a, a proper balance or finding things that might interrupt bacterial activity that may be implicated in a disease process. I know inflammatory bowel disease is among the indications Synlogic is pursuing, which I think is one of the low-hanging fruits in the microbiome. But by and large, I get the sense Synlogic is thinking a little differently about the microbiome than many of the other companies out there. What's the attraction to the microbiome for Synlogic? Can you explain how you're looking to exploit this? 
Yeah, so um, that's that's a great question. I think Synlogic is um, unique, as as you say. Um, There are lots of microbiome companies, but our take on on things is um, a little bit different to some of the others that that might be familiar to listeners. So um, from our perspective, the the company is really based on the synthetic biotic medicines, as, as you mentioned earlier, and we really start with an understanding of mechanism. So our whole approach is that we can take probiotic bacteria that are used, you know, by many people to treat different, um, you know, disease and and health states and and have been used for a number of years. We can apply synthetic biology and engineering to them, and we can create a a probiotic that's specific for a disease state. And um, it really starts with an understanding of mechanism. So you mentioned inflammatory bowel disease earlier. You know, we agree we think that could be a really interesting target for us. Um, and how we start in, in thinking about treating a disease like inflammatory bowel disease would really be um, an understanding of what mechanism dictates the relationship between the microbiome and inflammatory bowel disease. And can we engineer bacteria to do that, you know, affect your function, as, as we call it, with potency and uh, de-risk our approach by doing preclinical development in animal models before taking this forward into clinical trials and studies. So while we, you know, work from with, from within the microbiome in, in some cases, um, it's, it's really our engineering and our idea that we engineer potency into the bacteria that makes us unique. Well, let's talk about synthetic biotics. What exactly are synthetic biotics? So synthetic biotics are is a term that, that um, you know, we, we thought up to explain kind of our platform and, and what we do. Um, so we take the biotic part really refers to the fact that we work um, from bacteria. Uh, the synthetic part um, applies to the um, changes that we make to the genome of, of that bacterial species that, um, that, that generate the effector function that's required to treat the disease. Um, so, for instance, in PKU, we've engineered a bacteria that consumes phenylalanine, which is known to be toxic in that disease. So, um, you know, consuming phenylalanine at these high rates is not something the bacteria do naturally, so we've increased their ability to consume phenylalanine, and that's the synthetic uh, part of the, of the synthetic biotic. Well, developing a synthetic biotic, I imagine, is quite different than developing a traditional small molecule drug, having a target and screening potential compounds against it. What's the process for developing a synthetic biotic medicine? Are, are you starting with a therapeutic protein in mind? Yeah, so I think your sense um, is is correct, and in some ways we're similar and we're also different, and and we've tried to learn a lot from other platforms and how they've approached, um, you know, identifying targets and and moving programs through preclinical development, but by the nature of our platform, we've we've taken our own uh, twist on, on, on how each step goes. So when we decide that, you know, there's a good um, disease where there's a high unmet need and, and high patient need, we'll often brainstorm ways that we could tackle that disease. Um, so, for instance, in, you know, our, our program in hyperammonemia, uh, we think, well, wouldn't it be wonderful? We know ammonia is generated from within the gut lumen. Wouldn't it be wonderful and it could it really help patients if we engineer a bacteria that consumes ammonia 
much more efficiently than um, an unengineered bacteria or than a, an unengineered probiotic would do. And then we look at all of the ways in nature that that function occurs. Um, and most of the time, we have multiple different options. But we start from the E. coli NISO, which is what we call our chassis, and that's our kind of base, our parent strain, if you will. And we look at whether there's ways to switch the genes that already exist within that bacteria around such that we increase their ability to consume ammonia. And then we look at the various pathways that might be ammonia consuming, and we line them all up and we evaluate them both based on how potent they are in terms of how many nitrogens can they consume. Um, we also evaluate them on, you know, what does it turn into? Is there something that we can do that might be potentially beneficial or certainly harmless in, in that disease? And we go through a design process where we come up with the concept. Um, and as soon as we've aligned on the concept, then we start to put things in action and we start to kind of the engineers go to work with some of the genetics and writing some of the genes that would be required to, to create this pathway that, that we've designed. Um, and that piece occurs relatively quickly. So within a couple of weeks, we generally have a prototype strain that will express the genes on a plasmid that we can then start testing in a, um, in a test tube type of environment to see how well the engineered pathway is working to do what we've designed it to do. So it's very similar. We start from a target, um, but, you know, we don't do medicinal chemistry. We do um, synthetic biology to really get that kind of tool compound, which for us is a prototype strain that we can then continue to optimize as we learn more about the activity of the, of the bacteria. So, um, you know, we po follow a path that's probably familiar to listeners who, who follow drug development for other platforms, but uh, just our approach to each stage is unique. Well, I want to take a, a deeper dive into your potential therapy for PKU. For listeners not familiar with the condition, can you explain what it is? Yeah, so PKU is a disease that results from an inability to process one of the essential amino acids, which is phenylalanine. So in, in, in most people, we possess a gene um, that transforms phenylalanine into another amino acid called tyrosine. In patients with PKU, that gene is either absent or is not properly functioning. And what happens in, in those patients is phenylalanine accumulates to very high levels and is toxic and, and results in, in very severe um, you know, brain damage if it's not detected early. Um, a lot of people know PKU because it was one of the first diseases to be tested based on the heel prick that all newborn children in, in most of the developed world have um, within the first couple of days of, of life. Um, and it really transformed, you know, how we think about genetic diseases because it allowed, you know, physicians to demonstrate if we can identify these kids early in life and completely exclude phenylalanine or majorly, you know, reduce phenylalanine consumption to the bare minimum that's required to support growth, then these kids might have a better outcome um, and, and have less toxicity to their brain um, that compared to kids where, where this um, where this genetic defect is, is not detected early. So that was really transformational in terms of the management of, of rare diseases. Um, you know, there are about 16,000 patients in, in the U.S. who have PKU. Um, most of those patients were diagnosed shortly after birth um, and are put on a very restrictive diet, um, you know, very early in life. Um, and, 
the, the issue, while their outcomes are improved, some of the issues are that the diet is very, very challenging to maintain, particularly as kids start to grow up, go to school, and go into the teenage years, um, and, and, you know, it gets to the point where almost, you know, the majority of adults are unable to ma- maintain their, their blood fee levels within the target range that's, that's recommended um, by, by physicians. Um, so it, it's a very interesting disease, both from a medical perspective and, and from a historical perspective. What does your synthetic biotic do for PKU? How, how does it work? So um, what we've done is we've engineered um, a, a probiotic bacteria called E. coli nissel. It's a bacteria that's available in Europe and Canada as, as a health supplement. And we've taken that bacterium and we've put into it a gene, well, two genes actually, that, that turn phenylalanine into non-toxic metabolites. Um, one gene is called PAL, phenylalanine ammonia lyase that converts phenylalanine into a harmless substance called transynamic acid. And then the second gene that we've put in there is called LAD or L-amino acid deaminase that converts phenylalanine into a, a different uh, non-toxic metabolite. So the concept is that um, uh, somebody with PKU would take this once a day while the bacteria is traveling through their GI tract, it, it eats up, you know, all of the phenylalanine that's available there within within the GI tract. Um, hopefully, it will lower blood phenylalanine levels in, in patients with PKU and help them to maintain their, their blood fee in, in the, the range that's recommended um, for optimal cognitive and uh, and brain functioning. So, so that's kind of the, the concept and what we're hoping to achieve. This summer, you published preclinical data on the treatment. What did it show? Uh, so the, the publication that came out over the summer um, outlined the story of the development of, of our candidate that's now in the clinic, um, all the way from you know how we engineered the bacteria through how we evaluated it in an animal model of PKU, which is called the ENU2 mouse model. It has a very similar genetic defect to patients with PKU, and we were able to show there that we were able to lower blood phenylalanine levels while working from within the gut. Um, then we went on, because mice are, it's a big jump to go from a mouse to, to a human, we wanted to study the, uh, the, the clinical candidate in a species that was more closely related to humans. So we also did some work in non-human primates and again, we're able to show that the bacteria was acting from within the gut. It was consuming phenylalanine, and it was producing some of these non-toxic metabolites that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, and it was really the first time we had we had published in that kind of detail our preclinical data package, n- not just showing that we had activity, but showing that we had dose-response data, which I think you know um, several scientists found kind of a compelling demonstration of, of the ability you know, of, of our team to be able to engineer and deliver bacteria, albeit in, in animal uh, models. Um, so, so it was a very nice paper. Earlier this year, Biomarin won approval for a recombinant pal that's self-injected once daily. Your synthetic biotic has the advantage of being orally administered. One of the issues that Biomarin long wrestled with is, is the challenge of avoiding an immune response with a therapy that consisted of a non-human protein. Is this an issue at all for Synlogic? Does delivery in the gut avoid this potential problem? 
So we're hopeful that, that that's the case. One thing to understand about um, our approach is that the PAL enzyme is not actually secreted from the bacteria. The reaction occurs within the bacteria itself. So the bacteria takes in phenylalanine, the PAL is inside the cell, and the reaction happens within the cell. So in that way, we think that we can avoid the systemic exposure to the PAL enzyme, which, which is, is recognized as foreign uh, by humans. So, so, you know, we think there's a big theoretical advantage there. Obviously, as we start to move forward in clinical development and start to get experience in patients with PKU, we'll, we'll be watching closely to make sure that we can support that with, with real data in patients. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, there, there's potential for there to be many advantages of, of our approach. This is, in essence, a living therapeutic. You mentioned you're expecting once daily dosing, but what happens to the bacteria? Does it stay around? Does it wash out of the system? That's a, that's a great question. So we've engineered the bacteria such that they're unable to replicate within the body. So once patients stop taking this, it will be cleared um, from their system. It, it's not going to... Um, stay around for, for a long period of time. Just one point of clarification around, we're not sure that it will be once daily. It may be, you know, with meals or, or three times daily. As we move forward, we'll, we'll learn more about what the optimal kind of dosing regimen is. Um, but from the point of view of clearance, we've, um, you know, I think we've demonstrated that for our LEAD program and now for the PKU program that once, pay, once the healthy volunteers stop taking the um, biotic, that they, they, it's cleared from, from their stool within a short period of time. What's the path forward? When do you expect to have data from the current trial, and, and would you be able to move directly to a, a Phase three study? So, so that's a great question. We have um, just announced that we had completed the healthy volunteer part of the ongoing study and had some really nice signal and, and data that was consistent with what we had published preclinically. Um, the next step is to get some experience in, in patients with PKU. That trial is, is currently enrolling. Um, it will be a small study um, really designed around understanding the safety and tolerability profile in, in PKU patients, as well as understanding how the pharmacodynamics differ in patients with PKU compared to healthy volunteers. Once we've completed that part, um, we'll, we'll be sharing some more data from that. Um, and I think the next steps moving forward will be kind of subject to a negotiation in terms of whether or not we could move into confirmatory development or whether additional studies would be required. I think as we get closer and start to understand the path forward a little bit better, we'll be able to provide more information on that. But I think very exciting and uh, and, and we're, we're really excited to, to do something meaningful for PKU patients using this approach. Eva Brennan, Interim CEO and CMO of Synlogic. Eva, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, Subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.